What's up guys we are the filipino fridays podcast we are finally on episode five i'm your host oj along with my co-hosts hey archie you already know it's archia yeah you know it's us in the building you know what i'm saying with all the stress going on in the world <laughs> you know what's going on man we got covid exactly. we, got elec- we got covid we got elections we got covid <laughs> all right and today we got a we got a high profile guest wouldn't you say Yes, for sure. Um, super exciting. So hot take for you guys. Starting with this guest episode, we are going to be publishing every week. We got a hot lineup for you. Can't wait for you to keep continuing to join us on these episodes. Uh, rave about it. Share about it. Send us some comments some DMs. Yeah, let us know. Now, before we even get into uh, our guest, uh, why don't we talk a little bit about Filipino food? Yeah. We all love Filipino food. We die by Filipino food. Mm-hmm. It's something that we grew up with. And not only does it taste good, but it has a deeper meaning than that. It, it defines who we are, wouldn't you say? For sure. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to share. There's an article that I read published by Al Donato. Shout out. And basically, it says when you're born in Canada, you learn to be Filipino through food. And that's really how it is. You know, for some of us, maybe that are first to fourth, however, generation born Canadian, North American, American you are. We may not know the language. We may not know some of the customs, but damn right. We know how to eat. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's you see a lot of celebrities, you know, halfers or even like second, third, fourth gens of uh, Filipinos that you know, they they all know what adobo is. They all know what balut is. They might say balut, but you know, <laughs> balut. But it you know defines who we are, right? It, it's a, we have our own spin on it. It's a mixture of Spanish influence, Chinese. Chinese. Malaysian, Austronesian, and then you put that all together, it makes Filipino. And I love it. It's not mainstream, but we'll get there one day. And our next guest is definitely going to change that. He's taking the Filipino cuisine to the global landscape, making it more approachable. But, you know, we're not going to do any spoilers here. We're going to let him talk about about Filipino food and um, what they are planning to do with it and how to take it to the next level so that it's it becomes more mainstream and it becomes more out there. Know, out there. Yeah, for sure. The late Anthony Bourdain, you guys remember him? Rest in oh, peace. Yes. He said that Filipino food would be the next wave of Asian food, just like how uh, Chinese food became popular. Afterwards, it was Japanese, then it was Vietnamese, and then for a moment, it was like Cambodian, Thai, Thai. food. And we are next in line, and our boy Andrew is going to bring us there and teach us more about Filipino cuisine. For sure. Yeah. You know, it seems like Filipino food has been waiting to break out for a while now. And he actually shares that some people thought that maybe the world isn't ready for Filipino food. But the thing is, there's so much great variety and flavors with Filipino cuisine. You know, when you ask somebody, how do you describe it? It's difficult because it's just such a blend of so many influences and flavors. It's just you got some salt in there. You got some heat in there, some sweet it's just oh 
Oh, all that goodness. And it's also like, it's interesting too. Everything tells a story with Filipino food because we all come from different islands and different islands have their own take. Exactly. So it's not always the same. You're going to have adobo, but you're going to have a different type of adobo in like one side of the Philippines than the other. Let me start by saying this. Every uh, Filipino, tita, mom, tito, whatever, they all say, my mom has the best adobo. My tita has the best adobo. Let me tell you this. My mom got the best adobo. (laughs) All right. Our boy Andrew. Our boy Andrew's close. (laughs) Our boy Andrew's close. But I'm going to stay alive, man. <laughs> my mom got the best adobo in the building, man. All right? In the province. In the <laughs> Don't province. get started with adobo, believe me. <laughs> I drink can go on about adobo. Yes. He's, he can get triggered on uh, Wait, adobo. just a little side note, man. There's uh, With, like, modern Filipino cuisine, I, I, it's so funny. kills me every time. Any food that you make, whether it's adobo or just, like, it has a fusion with something, it always ends with this. For example, oh, this is whatever, whatever. Topped off with green onion. (laughs) This is tocino topped off with green onion. Adobo topped off with green onion. Kare kare topped off with green onion. You know what? You know what? Just what? Sinigang topped off with green onion? What else do you mean, man? And I'm pretty sure we're going to see some topped off with green onion dishes. And this exactly episode will that. be topped off with green onion. It ain't complete without. Yeah. So, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone in between, go get yourself a hot bowl of like sinigang. Sit down with us, you know. You yeah. know, Salt Bay, where he does it like this and it hits the. His Salt Bay. Salt Bay. That, that's, you get Chef Andrew here with the green onion, baby. Like, <laughs> you got to sprinkle it on top. Exactly. Little really you know what? Fine, people ask nice. him to do a little video <laughs> doing food prep, doing a little uh, salt bay flick <laughs> with the green onions or whatever for us one day. Exactly. <laughs> green onion or the fried uh, bawang? Yeah. Yeah. Yum. Yum. Crispy garlic on anything. Oh, <laughs> delicious. Yo, man, we're going to get everyone hungry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, but this is what you signed up for, y'all. Yeah. You ever had? You ever had like a when you guys go back to the Philippines, like you see a food and you're like, yo, your mouth just starts like getting wet, bro. I like, I lose it. I lose it. The smell of barbecue when you're on the street. Ah, uh, fish, fish balls. Oh, <sighs> that stuff is so good. Like I like even though I ate already, and you know how it is whenever you go home. Like even though you ate already, they're like, yo, do you want some more? <laughs> Right, like the smell of it wafting the barbecue when you're walking down the street. It's just oh, it's so good. One that will always get me weak is uh, lechon, man. Lechon gets me. Yeah, the skin, that crunch. I wish we had some so we can do some ASMR magic. Oh my god. Lechon's so good. I wanted to talk about the guest and how we got to have Andrew to guest on our episode. So I first met Andrew when I interviewed him for a segment for Magkasama, which is a modern Filipino market. So he organized this Filipino market, which brings the community together to promote, you know, Filipino entrepreneurs and businesses and culture. And, you know, it's so amazing because 
he really saw that something of this space was missing in our city, in our community. And he said like, Hey, like, let's, let's put something together. Let's, let's bring everyone together. Let's be united and, you know, really showcase the Filipino culture. So he talks a little bit about that in the interview. And when you, um, when you take a listen into this interview, like you can tell that there's a lot of heart in the episode. Would you say Archie? I would I'd say it's a lot of heart, a lot of heart and a lot of hard work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even the energy between uh, Kevin, his uh, business partner, there's like a lot of love in that partnership and that teamwork. And it really translates in their food. So I got to order some of their uh, ube hapia pies before. Delicious. They got that calamansi pie too. Yeah. They're called crack pies. If you guys are in Vancouver, you got you hadn't gone to a kappa box yet. You should definitely go hit them up. It's delicious. And yeah. The learning lesson that I really got from doing the interview with them is that, you know, when you're laser focused on your purpose and your intentions and you execute it with heart, like it, it really, it not only comes across in your food or in the cuisine that you make, but it also manifests in the things that they set out to do. So I'm really excited to see, you know, what they have coming up. They're they're really the ones to watch. So it's it's so exciting. And we're just so humbled. We're so honored that they were able to jump onto the podcast with us. So Without further ado, we would love for you guys to give a warm welcome to the show. Please welcome Andrew and Kevin from Lyunin. First and foremost, thank you so much for uh, having me on the show. Uh, I'm actually accompanied by one of my partners, who's Kevin Anza. Uh, Kevin, you want to come say hi? Hello. Uh, yeah, so uh, my name is Andrew. Um, I am the owner and executive chef of Layunin. Uh, Layunin is, the word is Old Tagalog for aim, purpose, goal, or intent. Uh, and really what we're trying to do is recreate Filipino cuisine in a modern global way that is more approachable to the rest of the demographic. And mainly the focus is to to really educate it and show interest among everyone else, not just uh, to the Filipino community, but to everyone else. When did you come up with the concept? Like, when did it pop into your head? Like, what was the inspiration? So I've been uh, a multi-unit chef for the last pretty much 15 years of my restaurant experience. Multi-unit being said, you know, major chain restaurant concepts locally in in Vancouver, things like Earl's, Joey's, Cactus Clubs, the Flying Pig Group. And then I got into development with a distribution company called Gordon Food Service. My role there was to kind of teach and educate uh, new ways to be more innovative with menus. So I basically took my global background in in those multi-unit chains and took restaurant uh, ideas and made them in a way that's more approachable to have more people and and you know create more culture and to and bring more culture into their into their restaurants so i think it stemmed from one of my best friends he actually wanted me to do something and and take my my cuisine to a new level or and open a business but during that time it was like you know well what do you want to do what do you want to cook right and how are you going to open something and have one have the want and, and drive for people to one, want to come and check it out. So I actually spent uh, quite some time traveling. Uh, I did a kind of soul searching trip doing Southeast Asia from uh, Thailand to Philippines and a little bit of Shanghai. And uh, when I traveled the Philippines, I, I went well, twice in one year uh, and really went from 
north to south uh, where my family's from in Laguna and went all the way up to La Union up in the north and then really just dove in to find out what could be done out there because the original idea and concept was we were actually going to open La Union in the Philippines. It was a different idea and a different concept and we were kind of banging on the idea that the Philippines is starting to have a new trend, which is craft beer. And there's so many different cool craft breweries from Luzon all the way up to Baguio and stuff like that. And so what we wanted to do was create a place where there's modern day Filipino bar food that really showcases the trend of Filipino craft beer. And then, of course, with all the things from travel, with, you know, finding ingredients, finding stuff based on availability made it very challenging for us. Uh, it's something that we would like to invest our time in one day in the future but then it kind of hit us when we came back was well why don't we just do this right here at home in Vancouver where you know the the sense of community is there but the educational standpoint isn't so this is where we wanted to put the forefront on it and and push La Union as a brand out here so that's awesome. With it being Filipino focused when it comes to the to food, a lot of it is education, which is, I think, what you really highlight with your company. So I guess, why is it so important to, you know, share our culture with food? Like there was an article that we came across where for a lot of, let's say, first to fourth generation Filipinos who are born in the diaspora, like here in Canada or in North America or Europe, they learn to become Filipino through food. So why is it so important to share culture and educate through food? As a Canadian-born Filipino, our roots grow through food, right? It's the line, kumain kanaba, which is, have you eaten, isn't just you know, a question. It's a gesture of us welcoming everyone into our home, right? It's it's what we, we strive to be is a humble group of community, right? And we're definitely the host. And it's important that we, we showcase, you know, what our culture has to offer. And typically what we see nowadays is cultural dilution, right? And you, you have so many uh, generations of, of kids say that they don't strive to be what their parents' upbringing has given them because that's how they taught us not to be, right? So we start to slowly trend away from everything in that sense. In order for us to preserve certain things, we have to kind of dial it back and, and really invest our time into in what, you know, the Lolas and the Titas and, and their answers have provided them. So, you know, it's it's important for us to, to really communicate that to the people ahead of us, to the children and the youth ahead of us. Mm-hmm. And um, and obviously with that, that's really how we keep our culture alive. Now, the interesting thing that you mentioned is you did a little bit of a food pilgrimage up and down, you know, the Philippines. That is like one of the coolest experiences I've ever heard. What did you discover when you were going through your journeys and your travels and finding out about these different kinds of food that you were able to um, apply in your own cooking? What I found the biggest uh, takeaway from it is something as simple and beautiful as our national dishes, adobo, is that there's so many different regions of the Philippines that do it all differently. But when we take it back to North America, the main focus is the Chinese marinated in soy versus, you know, the original adobo is adobo and kute, which is white, just cooked in vinegar, right? So there's so many different layers. Uh, and, and especially when it comes to regions, like if you look at Cebu, you know, they have a whole different cuisine. If you look at Mindanao, they have so many Muslim influences, right? So 
that was probably the best experience of it all is to actually go through and, and try little different things here and there with different tweaks because no one is doing it out here. And if they are, it's still only done at home. If, if, you know, if your family's from, you know, if they're Visayan or if they're from Mindanao, they're only cooking their food based on what it, it showcases as is to them that on a menu or anything like that. Very, very minimally. Some people have, but in terms of, you know, anything out here locally in British Columbia, nothing is like that yet. So the way we like to showcase things is we like to show everything. You know, if, if there's an opportunity for something to go on a plate for something new and it kind of wakes up the idea, then, you know, why not? Right? As long as it looks delicious, tastes delicious and is appealing and has a backstory to make you want to have it, then there's no reason not to. Mm-hmm. Um, can you take us a little bit into the process of, you know, when you do these uh, private events and mm-hmm. you accept? name the menu can you share a little bit about you know the backstory about the dishes and its origin Absolutely. so uh, i think a good opportunity to kind of highlight is when we do our karakare for most people when they look at karakare it's just you know a, a braised beef stew uh, accompanied by a peanut sauce and then bagoong right but we actually highlight the fact that well, Philippines, they get peanuts unless it was due to the galleon trade when Indians brought them over. And that's how we got peanuts, peanut sauces, right? And so we go through everything when it comes from the fermentation process. And this is why I find Filipino food so amazing is because it takes those balances from, you know, different types of fats, different fermentations, different acidity, and combine them all into one. And although the process that we grew up with is here's one thing and another. What we like to do is we actually like to blend all of it together. So it's more on that culinary standpoint where you're looking for a bit of texture, you're looking for a bit of acidity, you're looking for, you know, a little bit of fattiness in certain things. And that's why it's important for us to actually showcase everything. And a major thing of it is that everything's made from scratch, right? We're not taking you know, a little packet of seasoning and creating a flavor that way. Everything is... No mind it, The time that goes into food is what is appealing to it, right? And the biggest thing that we find, and I don't want to say that we're lazy as a community, but I just want to say that we look for the most thing that is convenient to us, right? We... Let's face the facts. We're not timely people. That's why we run on Filipino time all the time. (laughs) If we take in the proper, appropriate steps, we wouldn't need to use things like that. Right. And we're going to showcase it. And that's that's the biggest thing for us, too, is we want to make sure that food is not only delicious, but it's it's done on a healthy aspect. Right. Where we're not adding certain things that are unhealthy. Yeah, and and that really speaks to like the quality of food. Like you, you when it's made from scratch, obviously it's made from the heart. You can taste it. You can taste. And when it comes down to the quality, like it, it reminds me of like you know that's why food. Whenever you let's say go back to the homeland, always tastes better because they use native ingredients. Yep. They use it pure as is. Yeah, and they don't take shortcuts or cover it up with other kinds of spices. Like it is, you know, Gosh. what it's fresh it's truly meant to be yeah yeah and 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 that's really what hopefully how people will treat our food 
little bit more care and love and quality that it's not just picking up like a yeah. packet of his name, right, yeah. to, to add that. Now, um, when it comes to, I, I'm just curious, was there a dish or was there a food experience that surprised you the most during your travels? Yeah, uh, I think it was, uh, have you guys heard of Kesum Puti? Yeah. Cheese, right? It's, yeah. Uh, it's a native cheese in uh, Laguna. Uh, it's a hard cheese that's wrapped in banana leaf that's been um, done with either element C or vinegar. And those are one of the things that really intrigued me and really woke up the idea that our food is global. We wouldn't have gotten certain things without other people teaching us that way. You know, same thing with bibinka, same thing with everything that you find in the Philippines. Although it may seem weird to us, it doesn't. But when you look at the pairings and everything that come along with it, it just works, right? So as long as you have somebody that to can be the person to teach that to everyone as to why it's delicious versus versus having certain things and certain words saying that it's not. Like when I'm trying to get to basically saying like when somebody says Diniguan and they try to explain what Diniguan is, everyone freaks out, right? <laughs> Do you mind, you know, explaining what dinuguan is? Well, dinuguan is a stew made from pig's blood uh, and cooked in vinegar and usually accompanied by some heat, right? And there's certainly, like I said, like in Luzon, they do it with pig ear and pork belly and it's all in there. But if you look at the Locano version, they serve it with some sort of chicharron. And sometimes it's served with rice or sometimes it's served with buto. We need to stop coming with the, the idea that and calling it things that it's not. So you can't call it chocolate meat. You have to call it for what it is. And as long as you show the intent that you love what it is, and you can actually talk about it in, in a way that gives the idea for somebody to want to try it. I mean, if you look at blood sausage already there, if you look at Britain and stuff, they already do uh, pig blood stews and stuff like that, right? But that's because people have showcased it in a way that's familiar and talked about it and educated it versus just putting it out there with a bowl of rice and saying, here, have some chocolate meat. It's spicy. <laughs> That's very true. It's about romancing the dish and showing it in an appealing way. If you look at um, Seattle has become the new, I would say Seattle is the new hub for Filipino cuisine. And, uh, and who owns uh, Musang when I was out there uh, back in February, she actually took um, Diniguan and did it made her sauce nice and thick and actually braised um, pork cheeks in sinigang. So it had a nice sour note to it and then had crispy chicken on the top. So visually it was a beautiful dish. And in that way you can get over the point where it's not just here's, you know, boiled meat with brown or gray sauce, depending on how long they cooked it. Right. So it's all about, it's all about the care that you take into it to make it more appealing to everyone. Yeah, yeah, which is great. Now, on the other, you know, side of the coin, um, like there's, I'm not saying that people are not familiar with Filipino food now, because it's becoming something that people are really interested about. Yeah. But have you ever um, encountered an experience where somebody was like, you know, uh, totally caught off guard or they thought something was off-putting with any culinary dish. And what I mean by that is, for example, I'll share my experience. Um, so we love a boodle fight. I think any Filipino loves kamayan. And then when um, 
my husband and I talked about it and shared about it with our friend, let's say, who was, you know, non-Filipino. He's like, oh my God, how can you guys eat with no utensils? Like, you guys are such barbarians. And I heard a little, like, obviously I'm still friends with the person. I didn't take that deep. You know, it's dumb at first. Like, have you ever encountered anybody kind of just not quite understanding or, or, or at first haven't really taken the time to... Just appreciate our dish or food yet? <laughs> I think two things come to mind there. One, like I said, is an educational standpoint. Like I I was very fortunate that my family, uh, they never taught us Tagalog when we were growing up. I learned it on my own. Oh, wow. I've been back and forth to the Philippines every four years since I was in grade four. And I've managed to experience things like taking a shower in the rain, um, eating with our hands with with you know your cousins and doing kamayan in that sense right and you have to kind of look at it at a standpoint where filipino food wasn't it's not always about you know about presentation and all it's about being fed it's about nourishment it's about you know sharing it's about the concept of sharing with each other right and that's where people get uh, discouraged by it is because it hasn't been explained to them why they're doing it, you know, and we are a group of community and to, to sit down at a table and have dinner amongst one each other, whether it be on a plate or whether it be on a banana leaf, that is us as a community that that's a gathering, right? And you don't get that from very many cultures. As long as you kind of explain that towards them and teach and educate it, like I said, there's a fine, there's a line of respect and it's just, it's just who we are as people. Right. But what we don't do is we, we don't tell the, the story behind it. Right. We yeah. just sit down, eat, enjoy yourselves. Have you had more? Go get more. You know, like we have so many great concepts in Vancouver. Most of them are Turo Turo style restaurants. But, you know, I have a brother-in-law that that is white and he loves Filipino food. And when Cocina Manila used to be around, he wa- he would walk in. And I remember the first time I took him years ago, we had, um, what was it now? Oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. What's that dish? Filipino, chilies, lots of, it has like liver, heart, bopis. My favorite. Not for me. <laughs> It introduces so many different textures of meat in there from super soft to a little bit tougher. You have a great heat to it and tons of fat. Like it's the best, right? Thing is, is he walked in by himself because he loved it so much when he first tried it that when he walked into to the restaurant and he said, I would like Bopis. They're like, no, you don't. They're like, what? They, they were literally like, I don't think you want that versus, you know, so it made him a little bit discouraged on that sense of, well, I'm a paying customer. I should, I know what I want and I've tried it. Right. You shouldn't judge a book by its cover. If somebody's get, especially if somebody's going in to get Bopis, they know they want Bopis and you should just know that they're there to get that. Right. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, actually, there was um, something that I wanted to ask you that I found uh, really perplexing. So there's also this uh, food and beverage uh, consultant that I follow on Instagram called Kathy Carpio. And she shares a lot about, um, you know, a lot about indigenous dishes or kind of the true quality of what certain dishes are supposed to be. 
But there's always like this Manong or Manong <laughs> or Tita or Tita who's always like, that's not how you're supposed to make it. So the perplexing question that I wanted to ask you is, you know, when it comes to the new generation of Filipino millennials who are more adventurous, who love to try new things, and they actually embrace the innovation mm-hmm. and like modernization of, let's say, some of our flavors, yeah. right? Versus, let's say, the older generation who maybe kind of lambasted and say, like, that's blasphemous, like, that's not how you're supposed to cook it. Like, what do you want to say about, you know, that? And how can we bridge that gap almost? It's very tough because Filipinos are emotional creatures. (laughs) They are, their biggest critics are themselves. And Mm -hmm. that's why it makes it hard for us to present something. There was somebody, there was a food blogger years and years ago that said Filipino food will never be on the rise. And another person locally said that Vancouver is not ready for Filipino cuisine. And it's just like, we need to get over the stigma that Tita or Lola or whoever makes it better. Although being true, to what it is like i'll never be able to cook as much as, as good as my lola lola mating and but the fact that i'm trying to and putting it out there it's it's beyond me you know it's beyond it's beyond what we're trying to do it's for us to give back to our community and the biggest thing with our community is that we deserve to be out there we deserve to be in the forefront we have so many great things that we are doing but we We've been taught to stay in our lane. Yeah. And that's the sad, that's a th- sad thing about, it, but there's so many great people on the rise that are doing something different. Not just saying for us, but if you look at um, Iona and Paulo who own Cafe Coffee, if you look at um, Raquel who owns Buko Baba, who takes product from where my family's from in Laguna, who's taking coconuts and finding farmers who are already doing it and taking it into product and bringing it out here. If you look at Steve in Montreal, who's, who owns Happy Peely, he's taking Peely nuts from Beagle. If you look at Vince, the owner of Kasama Chocolate, he's actually going traveling to the Philippines, taking c- cacao beans, growing it, fermenting it, bringing it back and turning it from bean to bar chocolate. These are things that we need to recognize. And like I said, we it's our time to shine. Right. And if we keep on living in the stigma where somebody else tells us we can't do it this way, then we might as well just stay in that lane. Right. And that's the sad thing about it. The, the great thing is, is that a lot of the younger generation today are doing the complete opposite. They're finding new ways to start their own businesses. Right. Whether it be something Filipino or whether or not be Filipino. And that's kind of the most important thing that we can't we can't just sit there and let somebody tell us no. Yeah, you shared some really great examples. And what um, came to mind is that there was always this fear that, let's say, our culture is diluted or it gets lost with the younger generation. But there are also these trailblazers like yourself and these other entrepreneurs who are really championing for our culture in these ways with different products, with our food, with different arts, martial arts, you know, that's um, connected to our culture. So it's like, it's so, um, it's just so heartwarming to see that and really, 
you see them all just channeling this energy to be loud and proud about what it means to be Filipino, yeah. which is fantastic. Um, do you have any other questions at the moment? Or no, I'm just enjoying your Because <laughs> I've always wanted to be like in culinary. So just listening and like absorbing what you've gone through, like enlightening. So, yeah. Amazing. Now we're going to switch gears here and I wanted to ask you about Makasama Market. So um, you organized, you know, Makasama Market for um, some of our listeners who are not based in Vancouver or in Canada. Do you mind talking a little bit about it and, you know, why you came up with organizing it? And it's really because we see that our community was really needing something like it. Like I said earlier in the last topic is is we really deserve the recognition uh, that our community deserves. Um, I, I like to think that the Filipino, Filipinex community is, you know, we're so diverse. You, you, you take a look at uh, you take a look at the footprint that has ever entered the Philippines 7000 island archipelago. That is so many cultures that we've adapted to that we've managed to leave our country to go to all over the United States, all over Europe, all over Australia. And, and really we, we created something for ourselves, right? So what I wanted to do with this market was really showcase that we grew up with different things that everyone else can enjoy. Right. I, I grew up in a very, I'm Filipino. I was, I was in breakdancing when I grew up very, very big on hip hop. Right. And what we don't see now today with what the generation of people are growing up with is, like I said, the dilution of culture. Our kids are missing out on so many things, but we've created something brand new. Right. We created our own culture in a very urban way, similar to the black community as that we've adopted from them. So Makasama Market was about showcasing just the all around unity that we have as a culture in so many different forms of art, hip hop, music, food, dance, fashion, fashion, everything. We we've dipped into so many different things. And like I said, it's we've we were always in our lane and this is our way to kind of step out of that. I wish there were some different things that we did to mug summer market uh, back then. I wish we had more hot food. I wish we had so many different things, but it was our first one. Uh, and it's definitely not going to be the last one. No, it, it's something that we need to push. Definitely. And we used to have that sense of culture years ago. When did you immigrate to to Vancouver? I was born here, but I I went to the Philippines for a few years and then I moved back. So, you, like, you've been to Filipino Independence Day at Plaza Nation way back when? I performed. I did one of the bands on there at 2017. Oh <laughs> those were the greatest times ever. Like, you had... You had a whole sense of community, and you had so many different types of food, and you had culture that was there. Maybe you didn't have the urban culture at that time because it was in the 90s where we were just adapting to those things, but now we're not, and we weren't turning it into businesses versus just jumping on board. But now we can make that new staple. We can make that the new thing, right? Yeah, definitely. I agree with you. I feel like when, um, you know, for listeners out there who are not familiar, we used to have uh, regular Philippine Independence Days happen at this venue called Plaza Nations. And once kind of that venue was gone, you know, that's kind of where the start of the disintegration of that community 
happen because all these other cities, these other municipalities started doing their own independence days. And sometimes some people can make it there and some don't. And so it's kind of almost segregated. It's great that it it's that's the word is it's segregated. And and the reason for the segregation of it is because there's so many different communities that people don't understand that we have, right? We have the Cebuano community, you have the Ilocano community, you have the Science, you have the Beagle community, and everyone, everyone in those communities had something to say that didn't reflect upon them. And that's kind of why you start to see different events pop up throughout Vancouver's either Filipino independence or Filipino markets or not markets, but events, people don't know about it because we're so split up. We're not together. We're not unified. And that's why I think that's the, one of the main reasons why I wanted to do another uh, Makasama. And we were supposed to do one uh, in April and, and start a, instead of having, you know, two teams put together this one event, I wanted to put together a round table of different communities or different leaders among it so that they could say their part. And that way we would have dotted our I's and crossed all our T's for our next ones coming up and instill more culture into it. And, and that way it actually showcases something other than just towards the youth. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're excited. Hopefully when COVID is, you know, all done and said with uh, all, you know, done and over with, um, hopefully we'll, ab- or we'll be able to see something like that. Now, when it comes to the future of, you know, the Filipino culture and community, like what do you hope to see in the future? Not only in our community, but maybe even globally. I'd like to see alignment. I'd like to yeah. see you know, I, I I can't compare us to the United States right now because it's just a different world out there. We in Canada have been very fortunate to, I mean, we do deal with colorism and racism in our own different way, but we never had Philippine, human zoos that showcase Filipinos like they did in Boston and all those kind of things. So it's too hard to tell right now what's going on in, in different areas of the world, but I know what I would like to see in Canada is, is the community coming together from, you know, east to west and really just jump in on ideas, right? If somebody has something that's out there, we should be about boosting our community up. I think the best way that I've been attacking it is with collaborations amongst, uh, uh, amongst people around locally in the city. I'm doing one with with Vince uh, from Kasama Chocolates coming up. We, we've been working on a chocolate bar for the last, I don't know, four months or so, five months now. There's a chef in Montreal that we've been chatting back and forth with. And if COVID finally leaves or whatever, I was going to go fly out to Montreal and we were going to do a pop-up together. And that's the thing is we need to come together and share ideas, right? And, you know, hopefully once things get better down south, I'd love to be a part of that stuff too, because um, they're doing phenomenal work, especially on the West Coast side of things. Yeah, I agree. I've seen some really um, exciting things. Yeah, other than La Union, like I've been following like Bawang Tio and like Le Petit Vibe in Montreal. So yeah. I'm just- so Ryan, Chef Ryan is who uh, I was supposed to be doing a, a pop up with. Yeah, like who knew that Filipinos could speak French? Like I had never. <laughs> Yeah, I like to joke. I was like, man, people thought like another Ilocos is in Hawaii. They they gotta go to Montreal. Then you see you're in like Ilocos Norte all over again. <laughs> it's it's pretty funny. I think you've covered pretty much a great range of you know different uh different questions. Do you have anything no. else? Good. Yeah, th- yeah, this is 
this is beautiful. This is great. I know, Andrew, are you a better cook than your mom or is your mom better? <laughs> it depends on what we're cooking. My mom is a baker by trade. So my early things of growing up is my mom used to sell uh, pandisal. She used to sell ensimadas. She does uh-huh. custard cake. And she's in town right now. Uh, they're retired and they, they come back and forth every year and so right now she's been back on she's flexing her baking game right now so she's been crushing out some monai the last couple weeks and stuff so you know it's it's been it's been pretty awesome and like a fun question we have is you know if there is one filipino dish that you would eat forever like if you know on on your deathbed (laughs) if you were to only have one more dish left to eat what would that be (laughs) Uh, my personal favorite is sinigang i make mine with tamarind tamarind tea some people do lemon yeah i I just i I love the overall and bulalo i love anything that is a soup base that is either good with rice or without rice i will i will be more than happy to crush Take it to the grave. Yeah, for sure. And lastly, you know, um, for our listeners who are going to tune in and follow your journey, like what's next for Layunin, please share where they can find you, what they can expect. We have a ton of different ideas in mind. Like I said, COVID really hurt us hard this year. We had a ton of plans. We were going to host another big Makasama market. We were in three major markets in BC to uh, pop-up collabs. We were supposed to have a full-time pop-up during all of summer, uh, weekend pop-up. So everything kind of set us back. We don't know what... uh, what the plans are for us right now. Obviously, it's it's very scary to kind of open a business right now, but we are working on a few different concepts in mind. Uh, Layunin isn't just, uh, that's kind of the umbrella of what mm-hmm. we want to be. So we have so many different concepts that we want to do. We want to do brunch. We want to do a modern style of Filipino brunch, not just Silog, but even something more on the West Coast side of things. Um, you know, we want to do a modern day soup kitchen where we make, you know, we make things like goto, arescaldo, chicken mommy, lomi, like the work. We have so many different plans. We also have some ideas that we want to work on in the Philippines that uh, that are taking us in, on some different adventures and journeys. So this is something that is for the long run for us. We're not looking at just here's one uh, teach one thing and be kind of done with it. We want to show a whole vast range and, and really just promote the community. And the major thing is it's it's not about us. It's about what we have to give back. So. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode. Can you please tell our listeners where they can find you, yeah. uh, your website, plug your company? <laughs> so uh, we're actually, we're working on our website right now. So it should be up by hopefully before the end of December. You'll find us on uh, layunin.ca, L-A-Y-U-N-I-N. Uh, for now, you'll find us on Instagram at, at layunin.yvr. Right now, we're just uh, we're focusing heavily on private dinners and building up some development ideas, but you will find us pretty soon uh, out there. So thank you so much for having us on the show. It was so great. That was awesome. It was, it was great to meet you guys, and I would love to be upon your show again one day. And Yeah, for sure. Be on the Filipino food subject or something else, I'd love to participate in any way we possibly can. Yeah, for sure. Well, our dream and our goal, and hopefully – 
I know I'm thinking a bit large here, but my my hope to take this release into like a live show uh, type of thing one day. Yeah. So right now we're doing podcasts and we're we're starting to um, get some guests on the podcast, uh, generate some listenership, and then um, hopefully partner with a couple of um, couple of people as well. And then um, if it gets to that level, we would love to do live shows and you guys can jump on. So that'd be so fantastic. And maybe even do the food. That'd be so cool. Yeah. But yeah, my dream is really to do um, like live shows and maybe a traveling live show and like connect with other uh, Filipinos, uh, millennials, like around your generation. But yeah, the podcast has done uh, really great things for us in a sense where it's gotten us uh, connected with people who are looking to, looking to connect with their culture. So our next guest is somebody um, where her theme is discovering uh, discovering my roots. She's Phil M, and uh, she's based in Chicago and. Her mom absolutely refuses to share about her culture. And I thought it was like a really interesting story. And um, so she's going to share a little bit about that. We have um, an immigrant experience coming up. There's this girl named Rachel Dansel, and she was actually featured in Candy Mag in the Philippines um, and uh, Female Network. And she shares about her immigrant experience to, uh, moving to Vancouver. So the whole process and like the misconceptions and like like basically expectations versus reality she was like 24 years old and she's like yeah i'm gonna come to vancouver it's gonna be awesome and then she gets here she's like man i really had to adult really hard (laughs) eye-opening um experiences but yeah with this podcast it was just so surprising we we're only like in our third episode down but we're uh we're we have our next lineup the most exciting one that I really want to share and I'm hoping to schedule it soon is uh, DJ Marlino. He is the first and global podcast um, for Filipino hip hop, R&B and rap. And his podcast is called Heavy Rotation, but it's not like a talking podcast. It's more so um, it's a very music heavy radio format and all he features are just Filipino artists. So like, he started this whole podcast thing maybe 10 years ago. He's like, you know what? I want to do something for my culture. Like, we have so many great music out there. We have so many great, like, people who are so talented. Like, I want to kind of do this for my own thing. So he decided to go out on his own, and then he did it in a podcast, you know, back then. Well, yeah. You know, Vancouver has a very, very deep-rooted hip-hop culture. Um, yeah. And if you take a look back from uh, the mid mid 90s to you know late 2000s at the time break dancing djing were the biggest things and it was mostly run by filipinos to be honest yeah uh, I, I went to Burnaby south and there's a break dancing class like Times a week. <laughs> like if you look at DJ Relic and uh, DJ Wondercut, they're doing amazing things with opening up table tutors to teaching and educating yeah. on how to be DJs and make music. Those things are that's that to me is what I grew up in. That's what I interpret Filipino culture as. Even yeah. though, like I said, it has been washed and diluted down a, a little bit, but we created it to something that fits our needs and fits our own. What's great with you guys, and then like with the other. Um, coming like young entrepreneurs out there and even some creatives like you can I don't know if you guys sense it but I see it like there's a lot of people who are really like raising that banner for our culture yeah yeah 100% yeah Yeah. and the thing is like if you take even if you take a look at um uh, Marvin Soriano and Marlon Soriano and Mario Soriano they 
own wisdom club knowledge and victory. They're doing so much for their community, not just around the neighborhood, but even for the school they grew up in. You know, they're coming back to the basketball team, create, giving them uh, uniforms and stuff. This is something that is essential and that everyone needs to know about. So, When it comes to flavors, like my absolute favorite favorite flavors for Philippine um, flavors is um, calamansi, which I obviously am a fan of the pie. Yeah. <laughs> everyone loves that yeah. calamansi pie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm excited for more like calamansi. Hopefully, to be more mainstream. Yeah. Uh, there's this drink. Oh God, it's not available here yet, but I want it so bad. You guys already know, like sparkling water yeah. is like hit right with like la croix and like um, I'm a sand pal, <laughs> a Perrier lady. But there's this guy. Um, he he just uh, produced Sanzo. Have you heard of it? So um, it's called Sanzo and he has calamansi, he has lychee, he has like mango, like the true flavors. And like a lot of people are really, um, are really um, like tuning into it. And I was like, man, I want to try it like as a sparkling, you know, water lady and calamansi, my favorite flavor. It's like, well, I can't be sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's, well, it's, it's interesting because there's a lot of companies out right now that has uh, from restaurants to even breweries that have made product with calamansi. There's a calamansi beer out in Langley that they were testing out. I know one of the major big box chains, they made a vinaigrette out of calamansi. Even Earl's has made a drink with calamansi at uh, town. I don't know if they're still on the menu, but again, they're not using fresh calamansi. They're using either... um, Yeah, it's like the syrup. And not only that, it's like on the menus itself, it just says calamansi, but no one knows what it is, right? And they don't know what the flavor profile is. People tuning in, let's get it straight. Calamansi is similar to a key lime, smaller, more acidic, and has the flavor profile of a kumquat and a tangerine put together in one, right? So, and that's the thing. It's like people don't explain that. So why would we want to order it? Right? And it's yeah. so much work to juice. <laughs> yeah, he's my pro juice. <laughs> he was doing it by hand. And we like we make, a, we make cocktails out of it too. Like we have a calamansi sour that is phenomenal. And yeah. he juiced like... We ordered a case from Henlong and it was, I think it was like 60 bags and we did it for our pop-up, right? And it gets a full ounce of calamansi in there. By the time oh. he was done juicing, his hands were raw that I had to go buy like a $500 <laughs> juicer just to save him the trouble because I felt bad that he was juicing all this calamansi for all of our... Good for you, man, Your arms are dead. You can't like refuse to use any sort of concentrate or anything frozen or anything like that so you hit it on the head when you were talking about earlier like you feel like the love that we put into the food right and and all the time you care and you can tell you could see the quality you could taste the quality um it's there in all formats yeah yeah that's fantastic yeah i'm so excited to see more stuff from you guys and it's great i'm i'm very thankful that um you know, a lot of people said that we opened up some doors for, for certain companies to start up and it's great. My, my feedback and to them is if you're going to do it, run with it. Like don't do it cause it's just COVID and you're trying to make a buck, like really run with it if you love it. And cause that's what we're doing. We're, we're trying to make this thing, um, you know, uh, one day brick and mortar. And again, it's about boosting all of us as a community together. So, yeah. Great. That's awesome. 
So no, tell us serious stories. Come on. <laughs> no, like maybe on the second like visit. Said, we're, we're, second visit. we're just getting to know each other. God, <laughs> I had to come to make sure you didn't say anything too crazy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's actually, that's actually why you gave because uh, I didn't want uh, the owner of the unit going on a Kanye uh, rant. <laughs> I go especially on things that I'm very passionate about, like like Adobo is one of them. Like. You had a real me. We did this interview with uh, CBC Radio, and we were yeah. talking about it. And he was like, "Don't talk about Adobo." And I was like, "Okay, I won't." And it came up, and he was just like, "No, no, no!" Because you go off for like five minutes, and the whole interview is five minutes. We can't have him going off on a tangent about Adobo when yeah. people love Adobo. So. Yeah, that's totally true. I know. I, I wish like people thought of other dishes other than like Adobo. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they're like, "Oh, I love me some Adobo." Yeah. Um, all we know is like Filipino spaghetti and Filipino and like yeah like our vision is so much bigger than that yeah. but still keeping it true to like you know everything we grew up with like I'm a really picky Filipino food eater and this guy will make me eat everything and the way he cooks it is like I look at my mom I'm like well when it's presented like that I can eat it <laughs> so, and that's what it takes for like a lot of people that you know didn't really grow up here or, and, yeah. and everything like that right yeah. so the, the, let's be honest we all eat with our eyes first exactly. like that's yeah. really what it is we eat with our eyes first once you see something you're like ooh, i like it my camera likes it then i'll yeah. <laughs> you know actually you know what's funny is like i i grew up eating a lot of filipino food but i never liked our desserts like i just like oh. there's no there's only a couple that i really enjoyed which is puto bong bong which is a little mm-hmm. bit stable um and my mom's cassava cake and and kachinta that my lola used to make all the time but everything else is just like it's very i don't want to say it's one-dimensional but it's too sweet in my opinion mm-hmm. right? certainly i think my sister was oh no actually my yeah yeah my friend was telling me it's like a lot of the uh the, it gets overpowered with the sweetness of like condensed milks yeah. like the one like not like the natural ones, like the ones that are like way too sweet yeah. and it gets lost. Yeah, and it's sure, and that's why like we started creating new ideas for Filipino desserts. Like even with like our uh, our leche flan is is more like a creme brulee traditionally mm-hmm. because leche flan like let's say you do one recipe, it's usually about twelve eggs to one can of evaporated milk to one cup of sugar cut that down to six eggs to half a cup of sugar and and one can and it is just because texturally we wanted it to be smoother like creme brulee but we didn't want it to be so rich and overpowering because it has all that other syrup and stuff on top of it by adding other ingredients to it to make it something new, right and that was the whole collaboration comes in like we did the leche fun and we used like the cafe coffee to make us like yeah. a certain kind of leche yeah, that's like, true. is this right. more opportunist like again to unify all the different filipino products that we have around us and yeah. then give it a twist that everyone else will try it yeah 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 no that's amazing it's um really exciting to see what is going to happen in the future for our culture yeah. and our community and hopefully bridge that gap the reason why this really um, resonated with me is like, for some reason, I don't know, and I don't know if you guys believe the same thing as I do, but I, I feel like the universe really manifests things for a reason. Yeah. I started encountering a lot of people who, who are even older than us who really struggled with their identity. Yeah. Like they really had a bad identity crisis. Like they felt really lost. Yeah. And I was like, that's like, maybe they're maybe they're uh you know older now and they went through that but there's still like generations like 
our generation and the generation after us that we could really make a difference and really have them um, like connect with their culture. And even the ones who had, <clears throat> excuse me, immigrated there kind of convinced them like, hey, don't downplay the fact that, you know, you just immigrated here and that maybe you've been made to feel like you should be less than because you have an accent or you don't quite understand the, you know, the societal like norms yet, right? But like, I just want to let you know like you know be proud that you're Filipino you're lucky you could speak it and the fact that you have some sort of connection but also acknowledge that like maybe your friend or your co-worker or your schoolmate right who was born here who is Filipino may want to know more by like connecting with you so let's let's bridge that gap let's like like hook up that line and actually be unified in that sense and that's what I'm trying to um but yeah I, I try to give a balance uh, view in a sense where it's like I don't want it to be heavy on our experience being from here because <laughs> I wanted to explain that like hey by the way like if somebody um, if somebody is unconscious it's be- uh, if somebody's uh, conscious or insecure it's because they don't know how to say it to you in Tagalog or they don't know how to communicate it to you in English and so let's like let's like not have this like wall up and let's try to learn from each other. Cause there's so like, there's so much we can learn from each other. And also like, come on, man, like let's, let's be one here because too many times people have separated us and we've even allowed that to happen to us. Yeah, Like we let ourselves, like you said, we're our own critics. We let ourselves be separated from who we are. Yeah. And like, that that definitely needs to change, and I'm so excited for us guys. I can feel what? it. About that. Uh, anyways, we won't hold you guys up anymore. Thank you again. Oh, thanks awesome. for having us. So much fun. So much. And uh, yeah. Yeah, like I said, we'd love to be on the show or, or support somehow and mm-hmm. and anything that you guys come up with later down the road. So. Again, thank you so much to Andrew and Kevin who joined us from La Union. Truly so grateful to have you guys on our show. Um, hopefully one day we'll do another session with you guys. It'll be so fun. Yeah, maybe we'll do a little mukbang. It'll be <laughs> it'll be awesome. A little but... ASMR mukbang. You know? <laughs> yeah, with the, the food gurus, the food entrepreneurs. But they are doing more than just food. They definitely have a vision that they're setting out to, to accomplish with pushing Filipino culture to the to the forefront and really just bringing the community together so it's just amazing you know when you when you listen to that interview it's incredible you wholly understand that Andrew believes that this is larger than himself putting this effort into pushing the Filipino culture forward not only starting with food but organizing you know events that bring the community together just uniting everybody influencing or inspiring the younger generation you can really tell that this is just more than than this person that he really believes that this is really for us as a whole as uh, as our culture and it's really important for us to be represented in this um in the sense so yeah Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks, guys. I hope everybody that's listening learned something today. I know I definitely did. I got more Filipino love growing every episode. And I still (laughs) say that my mom still got the best adobo on deck. All right. (laughs) Andrew's a pioneer and he's one of the best. But, you know, you got to stick with the roots, baby. You got to stick with the roots. (laughs) Right. So. We are the Filipino Fridays podcast. We still invite everybody to send us an email. We all have our emails here. Uh, follow us on the Filipino Fridays podcast Instagram. Let us know what you guys want to hear. Let us know what we need to improve. Let us know what you feel about 
our podcast and just spread the love right for sure thank you again for those who have reached out you know it's continues to surprise us we're 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 five episodes down we have another five on deck for you guys some special interviews as you heard there's a little bit of a you know teaser in the um in in the interview that we just did but um it's just so amazing how this has really resonated with so many people. And we just wanted to for sure connect to you, connect to each other and really just provide more perspective and understanding and love among each other in our community, in our Filipino community. So much blessings. Thank you so much for all the love. Please continue to let us know, you know, what else you want to hear for sure. So thank you. So with that said, these are your hosts. OJ. Archie. Archia. We gon' get it. Let's get it.